And you know, last, uh, last Sunday, we left uh, the brothers, uh, uh, Joseph's brothers were eating and drinking in Joseph's house. They were enjoying that fellowship. And uh, everything was going on so well. And it, it's almost hard to believe that uh, this was going on, but Joseph had been so kind and so merciful to them and gave them food and ate with them uh, in his house, which is a, really a picture of uh, the beginning of restoration, but also how God brings us together and how he uses circumstances in our lives to help us see our need for him. So today we are looking at Genesis chapter 44. If you can open your Bible, Genesis 44, yes. And we want to remind ourselves that here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word and everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is a child of God, can we say it together? The Bible is God's word for, my, for us. Father, I thank you again this morning, acknowledging your presence here, thanking you for your people, thanking you, Lord, for the good promises that you have for us, thanking you for the hope that we have in you, and for this opportunity you've given us to worship you, to enjoy the presence of one another, and to worship you, because you are with us this morning. And therefore, Lord, as we look unto your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit who teaches us, your Holy Spirit who convicts us, may accomplish through your word what you intend to accomplish this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you, uh, Kelly, right? Yeah. Thank you also for... Uh, bringing your children and for coming to worship with us. So Joseph's brothers, after eating and drinking in Joseph's house, they are celebrating. You can actually imagine them celebrating this moment because the, their brother Simeon has been released they have their young brother Benjamin with them. They have their silver back. And they have food to carry home. Everything is going on so well. That morning they wake up with their bags full of food going back to their father. They are probably looking forward into telling him what has happened. It seemed like God had changed everything. It's one of those moments in your life when everything is going on so well. You wake up in the morning and the temperature is just as you want it. You know, like you, you get into your car, you turn on the radio, and the first song that comes up is your favorite song. You receive a text or an email and you read it and, oh my, everything is going on so well. Amen. 
But then, as their brothers journey home, celebrating their success, Joseph sends his steward to follow them. Joseph had instructed his steward to put his golden cup in Benjamin's sack. And so he follows them, he stops them on the way, and they, they are wondering what's going on. He tells them, one of you has stolen my master's golden cup. And the brothers are innocent. They know that they have not done such a thing. And therefore, they, they plead their innocence. They allow the steward to search their bags, beginning with the oldest. Every bag that is opened, the, the, the golden cup is not there. And you know, every bag is a testimony that their brothers are innocent. And then he comes to Benjamin's bag. He opens it, and the cup is found in his bag. And the brothers are disappointed. They grieve, they tore their clothes to show how painful this is. The steward says that Benjamin is going to be a slave. The brother says, no, we are all going to be your slaves. The steward says, no, just the one who has stolen the cup. The brother says, no. They all gather their bags together and they return back to Egypt on behalf of their brother Benjamin. In Egypt, they meet Joseph. We are told from verse 14, Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, what is this that you have done? Don't you know that a man like me, now this is where I think Joseph is becoming a little bit self-centered. I think he's tempted to punish his brothers. Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by, how do you pronounce that word? Divination. I can, I can see things. He's thinking like an Egyptian. And the brothers say, what can we say, my Lord? What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? And listen to what they say here. Probably it is Judah who is speaking. 
they say, God has uncovered your servant's guilt. Judah is not referring to the stealing of the cup. He's referring to what they did to their brother Joseph. That guilt is still following them. Everywhere they go, they feel it. They see Joseph's face. Everything that is happening around them is reminding them of that sin. Why? Because they have not yet dealt with it. They have not yet confessed it. And somehow, the sin that they committed is stopping them from dealing with their innocence. Is stopping them from proving their innocence. Because that guilt is deep, it is painful, and it is sucking life out of them. And here they confess, God has uncovered your servant's guilt. Judah is almost saying here, we have to do something about this. It's too much, it's too painful for us. But there's another thing that is telling us about these brothers. When the cup is found in Benjamin's sack, instead of leaving Benjamin to go back to Egypt alone, the way they left Joseph, when they sold him, First they left him in the pit, then they sold him and left him to be taken to Egypt. Instead of leaving Benjamin, they returned to Egypt with him. This is telling us that there is something that is happening to these brothers. There is a change that is taking place. They are becoming more sensitive not only towards one another, but towards God as well. Instead of leaving their brother, they return to Egypt with him. And then they confess that God has uncovered our guilt. I don't know if it has happened to you where... You do something that is wrong or something that you did long time ago and then something happens and it reminds you of that. Maybe it's a decision that you made and you know you shouldn't have made that decision. And then things happen in your life and Almost everything is pointing you back to that. And there is this sense of guilt. And many Christians, 
experience that and, and, and the temptation that you face when that happens is to try and justify that decision. To try and, 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 and justify the, the action, the, the, whatever you did or whatever you said. The temptation is usually to, to find out a way of forgetting about it. But again, something happens and it brings it back. And so the question is, what do we do when we are confronted with guilt? When our guilt confronts us, what do we do? Do we justify our actions? It happens to Christians all the time where when one is confronted and they know they are wrong, instead of accepting it and dealing with it, they become angry. And Christians will stop attending church or move to another church. The good thing with churches is they don't care where you're coming from. The bad thing is you transport the problem. And so while we are looking for a good church, we should be looking at ourselves. Because we are the ones who are in need of help. Now, I'm saying this to, to tell you that uh, when you are confronted and when you feel guilty, when that f guilt feeling is following you, the Holy Spirit is reminding you. It may not be a good feeling, but it is presenting you an opportunity to deal with it. And so what do we do when we are confronted with guilt? I'm glad you asked. When we are confronted with our guilt, we need to humble ourselves. It's amazing how this passage switches attention from Joseph to brothers. We've seen Joseph playing an important role. We've seen the Lord's hand in his life. We've seen him confess that the Lord has brought him to where he is. But now the author is pointing us to his brothers, and he is showing us how the same God is transforming his brothers. And I, I believe this is where the lesson is. 
Turn with me to verse 18. When Joseph insists that Benjamin should remain in Egypt and the brothers can go home, Judah steps up and he says, pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak a word to my Lord. This is one of the longest speeches that he makes in the Bible, actually. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants, do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, we have an aged father. And therefore, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead. And he's the only one of his mother's sons left. And his father loves him. As far as, as they are concerned, Joseph is dead. But they are showing more concern on their brother, Benjamin, and their father. This is not what happened when they were stripping Joseph of his royal court. When they threw him into the pit, when they sold him, they were not concerned about their father's emotion. They were not concerned about their, their brother's feelings. But something is going on now. They are growing. They are maturing. They are becoming more sensitive. And so Judah narrates what has happened he narrates how he talked to his father and begged his father when he wanted them to come back to Egypt and how he committed himself on behalf of Benjamin, telling his father that he is going to take all the responsibility. And then you come to verse 33. He says, Now then, let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. And listen, how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? Do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. This is a transformation. Judah is offering himself in the place of his brother. He is presenting himself as a scapegoat. This is one of the things that you will not see Christians doing today. You know what we do when uh, one of us has a problem, when one of us falls? We are so good at it. We begin to point fingers at him. We begin to point fingers at her. We begin to talk about her how she was pretending to be more spiritual 
we become self-righteous. We are the first ones to throw stones. And we are so good at it. It's like we've been praying for this moment. You look at Judas and the brothers when the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, none of them even blamed Benjamin. They don't know if Benjamin took it or not. They don't know it. But they all were ready to return and serve Joseph as slaves on behalf of their brother. This is becoming a family. They are realizing that they are children of the same father, even though they come from different mothers. And that's what it should be with us. That's why one of my desires is that God may make this church a kind of church that represents his kingdom. That when we, you come to Southside Bible Fellowship, you see people that you've never seen before. People that come from different countries, different races, and you can look at one person and say, this is my brother. This is my sister. We don't have the same mother, but we have the same father. That's what makes us a family. And in a family like that, when one falls, we encourage him to come back. In a family like that, when one grieves, we grieve with her. In a family like that, we walk together, we cry together, we celebrate together because we are a family. That's the kind of church that I want to be a member of. Amen. I'm still looking for it. A church that you can go. And when you see your brothers and sisters, you can really feel that love. That you can tell this does not happen by human's power. It can only happen by God's power. And we know it because deep inside... We don't want to love others. Deep inside, we are self-centered and self-righteous. Deep inside, we want to be on our own. Deep inside, we are hateful. But it is deep inside that Christ begins to transform us. And then we begin to accept people that we wouldn't have accepted in our own lives. 
And that is happening to Joseph's brothers. Judah is becoming a scapegoat here. The idea of the scapegoat, we see it in Leviticus chapter 16. In Leviticus chapter 16, two gods were chosen. One was sacrificed, and the other one was left to escape to the wilderness with the hope that it would carry with it the punishment of God's people. The scapegoat. It would escape with the sins and the punishment of the Israelites. Judah is taking the place of his brother Benjamin. Judah here is a portrait of Jesus Christ who took your place and mine. Jesus is our scapegoat. Because he looked at us and saw how sinful we are. He looked at us and saw that we were bound into slavery. We were serving the evil one. We were slaves to sin. And he willingly took our place. He willingly became a scapegoat. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 tells us that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God. He took our place so that we can take his place. And that knowledge should be enough to humble us. That knowledge should be enough when we look at our other brother and sister who are not doing so well in their spiritual life to approach them with humility because we know that we are not who we are because of our own strength. It is because of the Christ who took our place. It is when you understand and appreciate what Jesus has done for you that you begin to develop a concern for your other brother and your other sister. Christians who are self-righteous are yet to understand and experience the grace of God. They are yet to appreciate how gracious God has been to them. And do you know that this world, this world would be different if Christians just realized that they are who they are because of Christ and appreciate it and live it. We know it, but we've not fully accepted it. That's why we struggle to accept others. That's why we are tempted to talk so much when one of us fails. 
Jesus became our scapegoat. And you know, this is what makes Christianity different. Because every other religion demands, it demands that you live according to some rules. For you to please the God of their imagination, you must maintain a certain standard. You must be a good person. You must abide to these steps and these steps. Every other religion demands that. You come to Christianity and the Bible says, Jesus can fix what you are not able to fix. You come to Christianity and the Bible says that Christ died for you. He took your place. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he can do. Different. So different. And so when you and I are confronted by our guilt, the best thing to do is to humble ourselves. It is to admit it and turn to God for help. Growth is when we show concern for one another. You show me a Christian that is mature spiritually, and I will show you a Christian who is concerned for others. So here is the challenge for you. Just ask yourself, are you concerned? Do you show concern for others? When your fellow brother and sister is hurting, do you feel the pain? Growth is when we show concern for one another. And humility is when we become each other's scapegoat. You know, uh, I told you last Sunday that uh, we were having elections. They actually happened on Tuesday in Kenya. We still don't know the result yet. We're still waiting to know who is going to be the president. We should know before Tuesday. But here is the fun part of it. Kenya is largely a Christian nation. I like saying a nation with Christians. Christians are the majority, but again, when we say Christians, we are including almost everyone who is not a Muslim. And uh, the two leading candidates are veteran politicians. And then we have two other candidates, and one of them is actually a pastor. But Christians are divided on these two leading candidates. And they are claiming that one of them will be good for the church. So even the church is divided. 
You thought it was happening just here. But I'm asking myself, if this, if the church is sincere, there is someone here that comes from the church. There's a pastor here that is running. Why doesn't the church come along that one? And there, our hypocrisy is exposed. Because in most cases, it's not really our faith that is leading us. It is our self-righteousness and the desires of our flesh. And that is a challenge for us. Humility is when we become each other's scapegoat. Let me ask you, what is God asking you to do about this message? Is there something, is there an area of your life that you, you need to bring it to the foot of the cross? That you need to allow Jesus to take over? Is there an attitude that you have toward others that you need the Lord to help you. Whatever the Lord is asking you to do, do it. Because he is making you what he wants you to be. He is transforming you to be the kind of person he wants you to be. And he will do that sometimes by allowing your guilt to confront you. And when that happens, humble yourself before the Lord and ask him to help you. It's not time to defend yourself. One of the oldest hymns says, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the way. If you know that the Lord is not your Savior, you've not confessed him as your Savior, you've not admitted that you are a sinner and have fallen short of the glory of God, Jesus is willing to be your scapegoat, is willing to take your place. And all you can do this morning is turn to him and tell him, Lord, here I am. Please forgive me. Save me. And he promises to do that. 
And if the Lord is working in your heart right now, confronting you, convicting you of guilt, this is your opportunity to turn to him for his peace. He's willing to give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. And for us who already believe in Jesus, let us just ask ourselves, what area of our lives that the Lord is asking us to submit to him? Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your joy, and I thank you for this opportunity and for everyone who is here this morning. As we continue to worship you and to hear from you, and as you continue to transform us, Lord, help us, help us to walk in obedience, help us to abide in you, help us, Lord, to be the Christians that you want us to be and be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.